No, it's great. I don't want to stop your chatters, and I'm, I'm sure I'll make enough time for you to do that at the end of the service, which will be great. Uh, just to say, I am Isaac, and I am one of the pastors here. I'm an assistant pastor, uh, training to be a minister. Um, and so I'm on this exciting journey, six months in, and I don't want to give up yet. It's so great. And, you know, I get the great privilege to lead our student ministry, to lead worship, and also just the church leadership. It's, it's such great fun and a great privilege. Um, and this morning I'm here uh, on the back end of Phil last week. I'm here uh, this week sharing with you guys. And so I've been looking at social media. Social media, we have Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Twitter, or now X, um, just to name a few. And, you know, these social media uh, tools is a tool in our hands. And with these tools in our hands, we get to follow family. We get to follow friends and see what they're up to. Uh, we even follow people we don't know. They may carry the same interests or same ideals that we have in life. We follow people for the latest news or the latest gossip. Or if you're on TikTok, the latest dances. I'm not very good with those. But when I was looking up uh, about followers on uh, social media, the first one I picked up was on X. And who had the most followers on X? Well, it was a guy who owns it, which is Elon Musk, uh, who's the, in charge of technology and entrepreneurship. You might have heard his name before. Or... Following close second is former president of America, Barack Obama. Following a close third is Katy Perry. Yeah, Firework, I think it's still up there, isn't it? If you know that song. On Instagram, when I went over today, I saw the two that were topping the chart, which was Selena Gomez and Kylie Jenner, uh, social media um, influencers. But you know, with a whopping 500 million followers, well when it was last recorded, Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the most followed people on earth. And uh, people who follow him, I imagine, wait for his post to come out. Well, I just want to say this morning, if you follow me, you don't get much. <laughs> I try my best. I just have this real challenge with social media. I'm having fun, but I'm like, do I take a picture of the fun that I'm having to let everybody know I'm having fun? Or I just get on with having fun. And I choose to just get on and have the fun. Anyone else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Started a little thing there. No, but no. But, you know, there's no expectation on followers. You know, you could be a passive partaker. You can, you can gorge on what is churned out, what they post and the videos. You think, oh, that's cool. Or no, I don't agree with that. However, when we read the New Testament, read Jesus' words and Paul's letters to the church, we notice that there's a requirement on every follower of Jesus. Now, I mentioned Paul. Um, do we all know who Paul is? Well, if you've been attending a little while now, you, you may have heard us make mention of Paul and reference to who he was in this. But if it's your first time hearing this, I want to let you know that he was a first century Jew. And he was completely opposed to the Christian church. He actually wanted to take the Christian church down. But God, he ends up having a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And this changes everything. He went from a prosecutor, or persecutor, I beg your pardon, prosecutor, persecutor of the church to a church planter. 
He became a missionary. He became one of our greatest thinkers and writers. We find a lot of his um, epistles and letters in the New Testament of our Bibles today. You know, in his letters to the church, he was honest. He wrote about his own struggles. He wrote about the things in his past. And we come to Romans 12, which we'll be reading from today. And Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome. And he's telling them what it is to look like followers of Jesus. Paul marks out what it looks like to be genuine followers of Jesus. And today we're going to focus on just eight of them. He goes on to describe the characteristics, the attitudes, the behavior of a Christian. I want to see, say today that you might be thinking, okay, this message isn't for me. Today's message is for somebody else. But I want, to re- I want you to repeat after me. It's for me. You didn't sound convinced there, but you'll soon find out it is. It's a challenge for all of us. And I want us to take this seriously. Let's evaluate ourselves. And not in a way that we're condemning ourselves, but actually we're being called to a higher calling. Let's take our guard down this morning. It's not a test to see if you pass or fail. But as I said, it rather is a calling. It's how well am I doing in this area or how do I achieve it? So I'd love for you to turn with me on your Bibles to Romans 12 verses 9. And we're going to read from verses 9 to 12. It says this in verse 9. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. In Romans 12, before we get there, Paul is talking to the church in Rome and he's telling them about the grace that we now have through Christ Jesus and the sacrifice that he's done. He speaks about the mercies that we receive every day. Not just the one-time mercy, but the many mercies that we receive through Christ's um, death, burial, and resurrection. And then we come to 12. Well, you know, it's great to hear what we receive, but we're like, well, how can we be a part of this? He puts these challenging characteristics out that must be evident in every Christian's life. If we're to follow Jesus and what it is to look like. The first one is, love must be sincere. Our love must be sincere. In another translation, it says that let love be without hypocrisy. You know, Jesus gave us the two greatest commandments to hold on to. First, to love God with all our heart and our mind and strength. And the second one is to love our neighbor as our Yeah, you're with me. Thank you. To love our neighbor as ourself. But you know what? I believe it is possible to show love and not really mean it. Don't you? In some circumstances, we know how to behave or how we should respond. 
And in the world that we are today and we live, we, we see so many different soaps and dramas. Sometimes it's hard to differentiate between what is true and what is fake. What is true love and what isn't true love? So whether you're like me and you sit down and you like to sit down before Netflix and watch maybe a couple of episodes of your favorite drama, sometimes you get really engrossed in it. My wife, bless her, she usually is emotionally invested in whatever she is watching. So if there's a point where they're crying, she's crying. If there's a point that they're laughing, she's laughing. And I, you know, I, I, I mean, I stay quiet. Um, I'm just the observer. But you know what, guys? There has been two times that I have cried uh, when watching a film. I've got to admit that. Um, the first one was uh, The Passion of Christ. Yeah, did anyone else cry in that? I'm not just trying to get some votes here. But just seeing Christ and what he went through, although it was just a depiction, not a complete portrayal, for me, that brought me to tears. The second one was Finding Dory. <laughs> Finding Dory is the sequel to Finding Nemo. And I don't know what it was about what I watched that day, but it hit me to the heart. I was sat there and she had this thing that she could only remember. Her memory was terrible. But one thing she could remember was what her dad said was that Dory just keeps swimming. And as I heard her echoing that to herself, she's like, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. Tears start to roll down my face. And I was like, what is going on? Emily looked over to me, she's like, she couldn't believe it. She wasn't even crying, but I was. Um, so it was a little soft spot. So I've got a soft spot for finding Dory. <laughs> I don't know what came over me, but you know what? We're so invested in the things that we watch to the point that we are going through the motions with it, even though it is not real. <laughs> the love that we're seeing might not be real. And you know what? Even in our acts of worship, we could be, you know, it might be for us, it might, not be, it might be a show, it might be an act. I don't want to say anybody's doing that here, but you know, we might pray the most eloquent of prayers and we might give the broadest of smiles, but it could be an act. So when you say, I'm praying for someone, do you actually mean it? When you write, raise your hands in worship, if nobody else was in the room, would your hands still be lifted to God? You see, people are easily fooled by hypocrisy, but God is not. We see throughout scripture that God cannot be fooled, nor neither can he be hoodwinked. And we're all familiar with the phrase, fake it until you... Yeah, that's right, fake it until you make it. The problem with that is that when you make it, you're a fake. And so whatever you're doing doesn't last very long. We see the exterior, but God sees the heart. Just think of David... Jesse brings forward all his sons. He says, one son and after another. He goes, I have this handsome son here. He is going to be the king. And, and uh, Samuel says, uh, no, the Lord says, that's not the one. And he brings another one. He says, that's not the one. He says, do you have any more? He's like scratching his head. Yeah, I feel, yeah, I do. Actually, I do have one more. Uh, there is this child of mine. He's out in the field and he's chilling with sheep. Uh, but he doesn't scream out warrior to me. But yeah, you could test him, see if he is. And so they find out that David is the one that um, the Lord had called. And the Lord said to Samuel that day, he said, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. The calling this morning is to be loving 
rather than appear to be loving. So Paul encouraged the church in Rome to love sincerely. Love God first, love, God, love others second, and love ourselves last. My next point is hate what is evil. Ooh. Much like in those times today, and it, it was the same in 19 AD, in the Roman times, there was a lot of sin that surrounded the culture. There was lies, there was adultery, there was murder, there was rape. There's people being forcibly put into slavery. And you're thinking if there's any other things, read Galatians 5, and it tells you the acts of the flesh, of what is considered evil, what is considered sin. But let me be clear, we're not called to hate any individual. I'm never going to stand on a stage and point out any individual. We are first called to examine ourselves. Examine yourself. Don't put people on, on blast. That's not what we're called to do. I was at a, a conference. I sound a little bit like Phil here now. I was at a conference two weeks ago. <laughs> and there, there was a visiting uh, speaker who came from America. And he was going on to, t- to talk about a, a great revival that was going on at the time, maybe uh, 20 years ago. Uh, and he spoke about, it was this open mission that he did, and they had so many people coming in on the buses and listening to the gospel, and there were so many different people who were attracted to it. And so the pastor got on the stage, or the speaker got on the stage, and began to speak about sin and our wicked deeds. And that was one thing. But then he went in to start naming and shaming a particular celebrity, and he was really going in, like saying, if this person is a Christian, they would do this. They would live like this. They would be like this. What they later on found out after that mission was the person that they were talking about was Britney Spears. She'd just been going through a real tough time. And she came to that event while her name was being put on blast. We are not to do that. There I go, but for the grace of God. There I go. There I stand. I'm not going to stand here and tell you what you are doing. I'm going to examine myself. But our moral compass doesn't start with us, does it? We choose to submit to his will. We choose to submit to his calling. So what should my attitude towards sin be? It should be uncompromised towards sin. It goes beyond saying... This is not so good. It's a little bad. No, we're called to hate it. You know, when we think about it, it was your sin and my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. He was sinless and blameless. We're told that the father despises sin so much that he was willing to allow his son to endure the punishment on our behalf. You know, there's a great hymn that's written by Stuart Townsend. And it's just the second part of the first verse. It says, how great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away. It meant a lot. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. It was for your freedom that Christ did that. Your sin, my sin upon his shoulders. 
Sin is a destroyer of lives, of families, and relationships. So you're thinking to yourself, well, how does this relate to loving God? If we are loving God, we want to share his attitude towards sin. And it's important to God, so it must be important to every believer. To hate sin isn't something new that we come across in the New Testament. It's a running theme that goes throughout Scripture. For some of us who are further on in the faith, you know this prayer, that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will do what? Heal their land. Psalms 97 and 10 says, let those who love the Lord hate evil. So we're called to hate evil, but not just stay there. We're called to cling to what is good. Hate evil, cling to what is good. You see, this is the flip side to hate. To cling to something um, good means to really grasp hold of it. You know, when I think of the word cling, I'm thinking of, you know, wrapping my arms around somebody or something. Cling to a good cause, cling to a good attitude, cling to a good action or a good habit. Now, back in 2022, I started off clinging to a really good habit. Uh, Thanks to Andy, he's not here this morning, we decided that we're going to sign up to the gym. This was great. Resolution, let's go to the gym. And it was great because I'm not going to lie, I am a morning person, but if you're telling me to work out in the morning, I really got to put my mind to it. But it's great. At the time, I didn't drive and, uh, or didn't have the car, sorry. And Andy would come and pick me up in the morning. He would come and pick me up at half six. And we would go uh, three times a week together. And it was great for the first two, three weeks. We were doing great. And then, <laughs> I remember this so vividly. Andy came um, at, his, at the point in time, which was about 25 past six, to go to the gym. And I was still sleeping. And he's calling me and he's texting me. And then I wake up to him and I see like five missed calls from Andy. And so I call him back. Andy, I've just woken up. He said, I said, where are you? He said, I'm outside. I felt so terrible. So terrible. I didn't let it happen again. So I got in the car and I said, oh, do you know what, Andy? I overslept and stuff. He said, do you know what, Isaac? I struggle as well. The only reason I'm getting here on time is because I know I've got to pick you up. If I was to go myself, I would struggle with that. So we started off 2022 great. I want to make loads of excuses to why we didn't carry on and why I was continuing to pay the gym the money for the subscription. But I cannot give you the reason apart from there'll be mornings that I wake up, I just like, no, not today. (laughs) And my money was going out of the bank account. Uh, Much to not the pleasure of my wife. She didn't like that. She was like, you need to go to the gym. so we could start off with a good thing. We could cling to something good. And isn't it, isn't it that way that sometimes it's like those things that are good, it's so much harder to keep doing or hold on to. You know, we either get tired or we get lazy. You know, we, we turn into sinful things. We compromise. You know, just a little glance won't hurt. Just a little bit here, just a little bit there. And now we're totally where we didn't imagine ourselves. You know, the wrong attitude at this point would be, like I did, is to say, well, I'm now here in this mess. I'll carry on. No. I want you to cling to what is good. I want to encourage you to cling to what is good. Something good is to 
capture every thought. By the Bible, it tells us that we should capture all our thoughts. Don't let your thoughts go away and just go off. Keep hold of them. It might be, it's also a good thing to guard your heart. Maybe for you in the room who are there, you, you might fall easily in love. The latest Chad comes up to you and it just sweeps you off your feet. No, guard your heart. Or you might be easily persuaded. You're about to go and do something and then you've got that one friend who can persuade you like, oh, maybe I'll go along and do this. Guard your heart. It's a good thing. Oops, sorry. As a Christian, the call is to be active in good deeds, to grasp hold of good deeds and good works. But I want to tell you this morning, as was said, it is not for our salvation. Jesus has paid it all. Jesus has paid it all. But it doesn't stop there. There's a requirement on us. We grab hold of what is good. To cling to what is good. The next point is be devoted to one another in love. Now, devotion means to be loyal, faithful, steadfast, and constant. And we're encouraged to do this with one another, in showing love to one another. Now, when I was looking for the description of what devotion might have meant, I read that, you know, they usually give you like a little sentence to put it in. It says, he was a devoted husband. And I thought, yeah, that's me. (laughs) But have you ever been around a new couple? You know, they share their food. They gracefully finish each other's sentences. They know what's in each other's diaries, like the back of their hand. They would do anything for one another. Yeah, that's not the kind of love that we're talking about today. That's the physical love between a man and a woman, which is known as the eros in Greek. But the love that Paul was encouraging the Roman church was the, phil- the philo love which is the brotherly love, is to hold each other in affectionate regard. It may not be the same kind of love as the physical love between a man and woman, but it's just as deep. We're called to one another. And you know, the greatest proof of the gospel message and the reality of Jesus' love is that the love is shown amongst believers, one to another. We apply this firstly to our brothers and sisters here on a local level. And this responsibility is for every believer. So if you are connected to a local church, that is the place where your devotion to one another will be best exampled. That's the best place to show your love. And being devoted to one another is having a soft heart towards people having a soft heart towards each other, being concerned with one another. If people are going through things, maybe you might want to send them a message. Just let them know that they're being thought of. If you haven't received that message when you have been going through things, don't sit back and go, well, nobody messaged me. You could take it on yourself to message somebody else who might be going through something. We can see love and its devotion an example in different ways when we look at Jesus he had 12 disciples and there were 72 as well but he also he had three which was Peter James and John they were with Jesus when he rose the 
the late the girl from the dead. They were with Jesus when he went on to uh, the Mount of Transfiguration. They experienced what he did. But then also there was the 12. The 12 experienced Jesus breaking bread with them. And witnessing other things that he did. The 12 experienced Jesus washing each and every one of their feet. Even the one who would betray him. And the 72. It makes me think of church. It makes us make me think of this locality, this body. I want to say this morning that we are eternal brothers and sisters. How long is eternity? I can't tell you. <laughs> it's not limited by time. But Jesus gave us these words. He said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. If you have love one for another. So we are to be devoted to one another in love. We are also called to honor one another be above yourselves. Honor means to bring high regard, high respect. And you know, it's totally adverse to the world that we live in today. You might have heard this phrase that you need to earn my respect. And once you've earned it, then I will show you. But in Christ church, and for those who are followers of Christ, we're told it's not that way but rather hold each other in high regard. They may not think the way you think. They may not look the way you look. They may not talk, walk, and act the way you do. But we're still called to hold each other in high regard. Honor above. Just as Christ is the model of sacrificial love. In Philippians 2 and verse 3, we're encouraged once again by Paul. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So imagine what that would look like if we lived this out. You know, I could just see it now. After the service, when we've got teas and coffees. Uh, it's got to that point in uh, teas and coffees that they're coming to the end of our service. And there's one bit of cake left over there. And there's two people who go along from this service and say, you have it, brother. And the other one says, no, 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 no. It's the last one. You have it, brother. And the third person comes and sees it there and goes, I wanted that. But they're like, no, you, you have it, brother. Now, I'm making a little bit of mockery of that. But to honor each other, the call is much deeper than that. It's to love one another deeply. It's got to cost you something. It's got to cost you something. Love one another deeply. As a Christian, the call is to be, whoops, wrong one. <laughs> to love one another deeply. This is an individual responsibility on each and every one of us. And it's also on me. So I'm not standing here and telling you this is what you need to do. But actually, I'm a part of this as well. The next point is never be lacking in zeal. Zeal will wake you up in the morning and keep you up at night. I kind of lacked zeal when I was going to the gym. But um, zeal will wake you up in the morning. Having zeal refers to having great enthusiasm. You know, having a strong and energetic commitment towards something. 
The new King James Version puts it this way. It says, not lagging in diligence. You know, in our technology world today, we rarely experience lag. But for the gamers in the room, you're playing on FIFA online, you're about to shoot, you think you're going to score, and then there's a lag. You're like, did the ball go in or not? What's happened? It's excruciating. Or maybe you've got an old PC or an old mobile phone handset, and it takes forever to send a text message or receive an email. The lag can be excruciating. See, lag could be uh, described as either slowing down or falling behind in progress. You know, when I read this, it stuck out to me. It said, don't be lazy. Never be lacking. To me, it said, don't be lazy. Never allow our laziness to kill our passion for God and for one another. Or your cause. So sometimes if somebody does get on your last nerve, you're thinking, look, I've had it with them. <laughs> Maybe don't. Go the extra mile. Never be lacking in your zeal towards one another. For me, this was a point of deep reflection. What about me in my marriage? My marriage to my wife. I thought, well, I should be the first person to notice the best qualities in her and tell her. Or for you, the closest people that you know, we want to continue to show a strong and energetic commitment towards them. Ain't it just right that we find it so easy to forgive strangers? Somebody walks by and clips you on the toe. They say sorry, you say sorry back. However, when it's somebody closer to you, you think to yourself, well, you saw my foot there. Why did you kick it? I don't know about you. I, I'm from a big family. And so that was the kind of discussions that would go on with me and my, my younger brother. But like, you, just, you saw my foot. How could you miss it? Whereas somebody else, it might be easier to give, forgive them. But you know what? What if in a hypothetical world, someone else was teleported into your world, into your life, a bit like Quantum Leap for... Any sci-fi? No? Just me. Okay. Quantum it was a good show. Speak to me afterwards about it. But it was like, you're putting or teleported into somebody else's life. I'm sorry. Someone else is teleported into your life. Could they love your spouse any more? Could they love your children any better? Would they serve on the ministry team or whatever they're doing for God any better than you did? Would they turn up to lectures on time and hand in their assignments on time? Let's keep a strong and energetic commitment towards God and to one another and the cause that he's caused us to. Next point is keep your spiritual fervor. We've got to maintain our spiritual fervor. What does that mean? It means to maintain our passion towards God. How do we do that? It might be spending quiet time with God. Make a time in the day for that. If you're not a morning person, maybe it might be on your lunch break. If you're not, if it's not a morning and a lunch, it might be an evening. But start small. This will help keep your passion for God. Cultivate rhythms of prayer where you thank God for the things that you have. Before you talk about the things that you don't have, thank God for the things that you have. Worship might help you with this. Maybe you're a writer. You like to write things down. You could do that in your journal. Paul is encouraging us to keep that spiritual connection. 
It's great this morning that you're here. This is a part of keeping your spiritual fervor, coming on the Sundays, but also in small groups as well. You'll see your spiritual fervor being accelerated, being added to. Sometimes just hearing other people's week, you think, gosh, I thought I had a bad week. (laughs) I'm going to pray for you because my week wasn't as bad as yours. Lastly, serving the Lord. We're encouraged to do everything as unto the Lord. So whether that's parenting, whether that's learning, teaching, taking the kids to school, (laughs) it's not limited. And Colossians 3 and 23 says this. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. You're working for the Lord rather than people. So I want to say this morning, or now afternoon, that you're not working for the man, whatever that means. You're not working for Babylon, but you're working for the Lord. You know, I was encouraged by this famous old story, which says, in 1962, President John F. Kennedy visited NASA for the first time. During his tour of the facility, he met a janitor who was carrying a broom down the hallway. The president then casually asked the janitor what he did for NASA. And the janitor replied, I'm helping put a man on the moon. He realized he was part of a greater mission, a bigger more mission. And you know, we're part of God's mission. Isn't it such an honorable and gracious thing for us and precious thing for us to do? To serve the Lord in what we do, in what he gives us, the gifts, the talents, the abilities. I get to share in God's heart and his mission. I get to share in God's heart and his mission. This morning I have put the challenge out to you. And the challenge is to me as well. Let our love be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Be diligent. Keep your spiritual fervor and serve the Lord. Now, if you're looking at me today and you're thinking, man, that's a lot. I don't know what to do with those eight points right now. I got some work to do. I want to say to you that I'm in the club as well. When I looked at this and I was reading it through myself, it was a big challenge to me. A big challenge to me. But I want to make this clear this morning. That if you're sat here and maybe someone invited you and you're not a believer, there's no obligation for you to do what I've spoken about today. However, if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to walk this way. Walk this way. Maybe this week... You need, you need to take one of these points and see how I can action that. Maybe there's things that you're already doing well at. You're like, I didn't need to hear that, Isaac. I'm already doing that. Great, you carry on. But there might be some other stuff in there that you might need to grow in. And if you're saying the list is above, or you're above the list, then I don't know what to tell you. But maybe that's the challenge this morning, that we can take that away into our week. Why don't we put it into practice this week? Maybe take one of those points and put it into practice. I wonder if the band could join me.